You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. Anyone who knows me or who has been around me much will pretty soon hear me speak of someone who was very near and dear to my heart. That's my grandfather, C.M. Brown. He was my dad's dad. He is uh, there on the left, and beside of him was my grandmother, Ruth, who gave me my first Bible, and to their right is my great-grandfather, C.M. Sr., and Lenora, my great-grandmother. Grandpa's been dead for 34 years, and yet there isn't a week that goes by that I don't hear his voice, his words, his wisdom speaking into my life. How is that possible? It's been said death is never the last word in the life of a person because when a person leaves this world by way of death, that person really lives on in the lives of those who knew them. How about you? Who is the person's voice that you hear from time to time who's no longer here? You know, when a person dies, they leave something behind. If that person is negative, let's say they're a Nero or an Osama bin Laden, they leave that which is described as a cancer, a poison. Or that person, like my grandfather, could be like a Billy Graham, the Apostle Paul. They leave like a rose, something that permeates beauty, an aroma, a fragrance of blessing. This morning we're going to see a faith that cries out, even though that person is dead. A faith that literally continues to cry out some 6,000 years from the event that we're going to read about today. This morning we'll see a faith in God that was genuine, sincere, obedient, and a faith that leads to true worship. You've made your way there. Hebrews 11, just one verse this morning. Verse 4, the faith of a man named Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Now, who was Cain? Abel's brother. God commending Abel by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Indeed, the account of Abel's faith still cries out to us today. It's been said that dead men do tell tales, and they do. Abel still speaks and will continue to speak from generation to generation because he is recorded in the Word of God, and we know that not one jot, not one tittle, not one dot, not one iota of this Word will ever pass away. This endures for all time. And so Abel's account of faith endures. Abel. A man who was the son of Adam and Eve, our first parents. Abel was part of the first family on the face of the earth. A family that should have been the best of all families, right? <laughs> but they weren't, were they? Tragic dysfunction 
had already occurred by way of Adam and Eve. How? Disobedience. In the garden, Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, and they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, their sons, Cain and Abel, were born into sin, just like you, just like me. We're all ancestors of Adam and Eve, sinners. And isn't it amazing to consider Cain and Abel grew up in the same home? One obeyed God, and the other one ended up being a murderer. How is that possible? Two people growing up in the same home. One who obeyed God and the other who ended up being a murderer. But doesn't it still happen today? Maybe you're part of a family that, well, you're following God and you have a sibling that doesn't. Grew up in the same home. How does that happen? Free will. We're all given a choice, aren't we? Abel obeyed, Cain disobeyed. Now, church family, in order to understand Hebrews 11:4, it makes sense that we're going to have to go back to the original account of this, which is found in the book of Genesis. So would you go there with me? Turn to Genesis chapter 4. And as I often do, I'm going to ask you to listen as I try to set the scene. You're going to Genesis 4. Adam and Eve had been living in a perfect environment. Think of that. The Garden of Eden. And get this, they literally knew God. For you remember in Genesis chapter 3, it records that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. So think about that. Adam and Eve knew God in a way that was unlike any other human being ever. And to that degree, I would say to you this morning that Adam and Eve can't really be called a people of faith in that in the purest sense... They walked with God. They saw God side by side. They knew Him. But after they sinned, what happened? They could no longer walk with God in His presence because He's holy. And so the Lord God placed Adam and Eve outside of the garden. He evicted them, right? And that's what sin does, folks. It places humankind on the outside looking in. God drove Adam and Eve out of Eden. Genesis 3 tells us that. And he placed cherubim, angels, with flaming swords that guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden, a place they could no longer ever return. Interesting, isn't it? Cherubim would later guard the Ark of the Covenant. Did you know that? Cherubim, their wings extending out to touch each other, but the point is, is that Cain and Abel were born outside of the Garden of Eden and they would have to exhibit faith in a God they've never seen just like us, right? And here's the interesting thing. God had already promised Adam and Eve and subsequently Cain and Abel that he would send his son to make things right. That's Genesis 3.15. You remember Genesis 3.15? It's the first messianic promise. The prophecy that Jesus would come by way of a woman and he would crush Satan's head. And that is grace, church family. On their way out of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had ringing in their ears the promise of God that he would not forget them and he would not forget us. 
Even in our sin, God promised humanity that we would have the opportunity to come back to him into his presence by way of his son Jesus. And now that as our backdrop, chapter 4, verse 1. You made your way there. Look at it. We're going to look at verse 1 in the first part of verse 2. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Church, do you know what I believe Eve thought when she gave birth to Cain? I believe that she thought there he is. Who? The deliverer of Genesis 3.15. In fact, as, as, as we study Scripture, we're studying Genesis. And so we know that as we've studied in the New Testament, we're reading from the original Greek, and that's how we should try to study. What do we find as the original language in the Old Testament? Hebrew. So I go back and look at this. And so as I looked at this, I found it interesting when it says, I have gotten a man. It's not just any man. It actually intimates the deliverer. It points back to Genesis 3.15. She thought when she had Cain, here he is, the one that's going to make everything right. Wrong. He would end up being what? A murderer. No, Cain would not be the deliverer. It would take 4,000 years for the deliverer to come, not by way of Eve, but Mary. And his name is Jesus. Eve had Cain, and then she had Abel. In fact, Moses tells us that. You say, Moses? Yeah. He's the writer of Genesis. Did you know that? Moses is the writer of the first five books of the Bible. What do we call the first five books of the Bible? The Pentateuch, Penta, five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses tells us that these two brothers had totally different occupations. Follow along. Now, the second part of verse 2. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, Genesis 4, 2. And Cain, a worker of the ground, i.e., he's a farmer. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Notice it says an offering. Just an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Cable, Abel also brought of the firstborn. There's the, what I want you to see. Cain brings just an offering, but Abel brings what? The firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was what? Ticked off, mad, angry, and his face fell. Why? Is it because God likes meat better than vegetables? <laughs> no. Is it because God regards being a sheep herder better than being a farmer? No. It's because God required animal sacrifice. And Cain chose not to bring an animal. It's not that, you know, the Scripture teaches, I had someone point this out after the second service, they said, well, you know, um, um, after Moses came and you have the Mosaic Law, you know, some brought the uh, first fruits and so forth. Yeah, you can do that. That's part of the Mosaic Law, but that's not anything that Adam and Eve had seen. The only thing Adam and Eve had seen is what? Animal sacrifice. 
That's it. Now think back with me. Adam and Eve, they're leaving the Garden of Eden, and what did they have on people? Animal skins. And where did those skins come from? Uh, an animal? Yes. And who killed the animal? God. God sacrificed an animal so that they might cover their sin. By the way, that's why we wear clothes, people. We wear clothes because of sin. Adam and Eve knew it was the shedding of the blood of an animal. In fact, that's what we've been studying in Hebrews. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But then, of course, as we studied in Hebrews, Hebrews 10.4 says, But it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So that points us back to Genesis 3.15, the deliverer that would have to come. The person, Christ. So here's Cain and Abel bringing sacrifices to God. Abel's is accepted, Cain isn't. Now think with me. Here these two young men had been instructed by their parents, Adam and Eve, about animal sacrifice. That was the sacrifice made to provide their parents clothing. Because what had Adam and Eve tried to use to cover their sin? Leaves. And no longer were they walking with God in the cool of the day. Now they're what? They're hiding from Him. That's what sin does. Church, look at me. God knows that we're going to try all kinds of devices and ways to try to have what we want. And Satan plays along in that little game. Satan dangles stuff in front of us and says, go ahead and take this. Have it now. Satan is always wanting you to rush, young lady, young man, in the relationship. Well, you're going to get married anyway, so, you know, go ahead, right? You know, go ahead, sir. The company owes that to you anyway, so just cheat on the report. Just, just, just get it. It's yours. You deserve it. And there's all kinds of rationalizations. Just, just go for it. And, and, and so what we have is this juxtaposition of are we going to listen to what God has said and going to do it His way or are we going to wear the leaves? Jesus offers the choice. See, sin is nothing but a counterfeit for what God offers. Satan has never done anything original in his life. Never. Satan, the cherub, that was in heaven, Lucifer, and he tries to counterfeit everything. How good is counterfeit money? Worthless. That's exactly what Satan dangles. What is it that he's dangling in front of you right now and says, get it now. Don't wait. Don't trust God. Don't do it his way. Abel brought that which was acceptable. Cain didn't. That's Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel, faith. It took faith for him to offer to God this more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. He brought it by faith that God would bless him. And he was blessed. He was commended for his acceptable gift. But Cain brought junk. Now, we don't know what Cain brought, but we know he's a farmer. 
So he brought most likely vegetables or fruit. You know how I see it? You know how I see it? He brought an offering. Didn't say first. Wasn't even the first fruits. Again, uh, when we finally have the Mosaic law, uh, that, that you can bring first fruits and that's acceptable to God. But under this dispensation of time with Adam and Eve, it's just an animal sacrifice. So, so I think of Cain and I think of him bringing like a cart. Like, like with a wheel on it, and it's like a, a wheelbarrow. And I think it's just loaded down with rotten junk, with gnats flying around it and flies. And he just drops it. There, God. There's the sacrifice. No sacrifice in that, is there? Do you know how Cain is described in Scripture? Every time it's negative. Every time you hear about Abel... You hear about a man of faith. Jude, in fact, the half-brother of Jesus, by which we have the little New Testament book of Jude, describes Cain as the way of Cain, which that way is the way of an idolater. Imagine that. The very first kid ever born on the face of the earth turned into an idolater. How about that? Seeking to do it his way. He decided how he would come to God. Church, be reminded, Cain had the same information about God as Abel had. They both had been taught the same thing because remember what we learned last week. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They had heard what Adam and Eve had described as they had sinned in the garden and then God provided for them the animal covering, the skins. Adam and Eve came out of the east side of of the garden wearing those skins. What was true worship? True worship, true worship even today is to bring what God requires. You know, think about Abel. He brought the what of his flock? The firstborn. You think he liked that little lamb? You think he had named it? Hmm? It's a sacrifice. That's what God required. And so Abel brought one lamb for himself, one man. That lamb would one day be followed by another lamb, a lamb that a man would bring at Passover. One lamb, in this case, now for an entire family. And then, on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies And he wouldn't offer just one lamb for one man or one lamb for one family. He would offer one lamb for an entire nation, the nation of Israel. But wait, are you still listening? (laughs) But in the fullness of time, God's timing, God would provide one lamb, his own son, the lamb of God. No, not just one lamb for one man or one lamb for one family or one lamb for an entire nation. One lamb for an entire world. For God so loved the world, he gave his firstborn, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And so Abel brought the exact sacrifice that was required of God, and God accepted it. You're still in Genesis. That's verse 4. Verse 4 is really the mimic of Hebrews eleven four. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard. He accepted Abel 
and his offering. Notice he accepted Abel and his offering. Now, I thought about this. I thought, what, how did Abel know that God accepted his offering? I mean, God could have spoken to him and said it, right? In the Old Testament, how did God oftentimes show that he accepted an offering that had been sacrificed on an altar? Do you know? Think of Elijah. Elijah's on Mount Carmel, and he's dueling it out with those prophets of Baal. And how did God show that he had accepted Elijah's prayer? Fire came down from heaven and licked up the offering. I can't be dogmatic about this, but I believe that fire came down from heaven and showed Abel that it had been accepted. <laughs> By the way, you can think about this in the New Testament as well. The day of Pentecost. You remember Acts chapter 2? The believers, 120 of them, were in that room. And they were waiting in that home for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Bible describes that the Holy Spirit came how? Hmm? Tongues of flame. Down, divided tongues. And they spoke in tongues. Fire. Abel brought the acceptable sacrifice, but not Cain. Cain sought to make his own way. Literally, he tried to make a new way to God. He's the first kid, and he's already trying a different way to God. How about that? He tried to establish his own way. This reminds me of Romans chapter 10, where the apostle Paul was describing the Jews and their way of trying to get to God. Romans 10.3 says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to see it establish their own, their own righteousness. They did not, there's the key, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And Cain didn't either. He would not submit to God's way. Cain refused to come to God on God's terms. Cain chose to worship in the way he wanted to worship. Cain was a hypocrite because he still came to worship. Didn't he? Didn't he? He still brought that rotten mess. Abel offered the right sacrifice. Cain tried to make up his own way. And he tried to make it look like he was worshiping. He was being religious, wasn't he? And I'll tell you, church, not a whole lot's changed today if you ask me. I believe there are perhaps millions of people in this country and maybe throughout the world trying to worship God in a way that he never prescribed. Today, many so-called worshipers of God have created their own way to God, and that is false religion. And what is worse, they've made up their own God to go with that false religion, and that is breaking the second commandment. They have made a graven image. They've made a God that suits their lifestyle and says, I'm going to do it my way. Oh, and they call this God my God. My God. My God this and my Jesus that. Now, listen, I'm not being mean here. It's fine to say my God or my Jesus, but you understand what I'm saying. So many people, though, they've got a God that doesn't even resemble the Bible, a biblical God. They've made up a God that's their deal. 
that fits their idea of how God should be, of how they want God to be, that suits the lifestyle of all of their family and friends, that, that, that goes with what they think and what they believe. And that's the way of Cain. That's idolatry. They try to impose upon God their standard of worship. <laughs> it's like they say to God, hey, God, you want a lamb? Cain said, in essence, you want a lamb, I'll give you rotten tomatoes. Today, God says, worship my son. And what do people say? Tough God, I'm going to worship Allah, or I'm going to worship Buddha. That's the way I'm going to try to get to you. Or Confucius, or I'll just worship myself. Church, everybody worships something. Did you know that? You say an atheist doesn't. Yes, they do. Do you know why every human being worships something? You know why? Because we're made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, we then have a desire to worship. And we will worship something. You want to know what you're worshiping? It's whatever you can't get enough of. That's what you worship. Whatever you can't get enough of is your God. It's what you think about all the time. It's what motivates you. It's what drives you. Is it money? Is it things, material possessions? Is it your kids, as wonderful as they are? Is it someone else? What is it? Who is it? We're all worshipers. Church, you know, we lie to ourselves about ourselves. Did you know that? You lie to yourself about yourself, and so do I. You actually think you're better than you are. So do I. Because you compare yourself to Hitler's first cousin. That's why. We're always comparing ourselves to somebody worse. Instead of on the standard that God has set. Now, we're, we're, we're not here. Our works are as filthy rags, but, but we're called to, to be holy. He said, be holy because I am holy. And yet we, we bring what is less than our best to God. Is that acceptable to you? Sir, if, if, if it's your anniversary, uh, do you remember when your anniversary is? I hope you do. do. Do you do nothing for the one you love? At least buy her a card, take her to McDonald's, do something to show her you care, right? What about the Lord? He's not asking us to do anything. He's just asking us to have faith. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him instead of what Satan dangles and says, no, trust this. Oh, we're all worshipers. And here's the thing. God called Cain. He called him on the carpet. And what did Cain do? You remember? What, what did Cain do? He got mad, didn't he? And his face fell. He's pouting. Isn't that the way it usually works? You, trying to be as kind as you can, you're not being condescending, but you're trying to share the truth with somebody about their lifestyle or about, the, about some situation that the Bible is very clear about. And what so often happens? They get mad at you. That happens to me all the time, believe me. I get the emails and the Facebook messages and stuff. For all of you people watching out there, I didn't write this. 
I'm just a mailman, okay? I mean, do you smack your mailman when he brings your mortgage payments due, right? Huh? Huh? Don't smack the mailman. You know, your power bill's high, take it up with Duke Power, right? Why do we get so angry with people when they're just trying to tell us the truth? And that's what happened to Cain. He got mad at God. He was very upset. And watch what God said. You're still in Genesis 4, look at verse 6. And then the Lord said to Cain, Cain, what's your deal? Why are you angry? And why are you pouting? Now watch verse 7. This is, this is beautiful. He said, Cain, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Think of the devil. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what I see. And, and, and sin's desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Think with me a moment. Why did Adam and Eve, why did God create them and put them in the Garden of Eden? So that they might rule over it, right? Did God not place us on this earth to have dominion over it? Because we're created in the image of God. We're little, we're, we're, we're little dominion bearers. God has dominion over the universe, and he put Adam and Eve on the earth to know how that feels. God brought the animals to the man and said, all right, Adam, whatever you call them, I'm good with. He put them in charge. And, and, and the same thing is true with whether or not we're going to allow God to be in charge of our lives or sin to be in charge of our lives. What's going to rule your life, sir? Don't let that phone rule your life. You know what I'm talking about. Right? It's cheap. It's an imitation. It's counterfeit. D don't let anything be dangled in front of you as counterfeit and believe that that is going to bring you happiness and joy. It's a lie. Did you see what God offered to Cain? This is after he's dropped the wheelbarrow load of garbage. God said to him, Cain, verse 7, you get a second chance. He said, if you do well. In other words, he's saying, go get a lamb. Who's got a lamb? Abel. Go ask your brother. Oh, come on. Ask him. My little snot-nosed brother. I ain't asking him for nothing. God gave him a second chance. Doesn't God do that for us? And God does that many chances, doesn't he? That's his grace. That's his mercy. He gave him another chance. So Cain, he, what did he do? Oh, this is, this is horrific. This is unthinkable. What does he do? Look at verse 8. Cain spoke to his brother. Oh, he's going to ask him for a lamb, right? Give me, give me a lamb. i got to make this right with God. And when they were in the field... Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. you got to be kidding. Who's Cain got a beef with? God, what had Abel done? What had he done? Nothing. He had done nothing. He was innocent. Reminds me of Jesus. How might that have looked? What? How Cain killed his brother. 
any way you slice it, it had to be gruesome. Don't you think? You know, we're not told how Cain killed Abel. The Bible simply says he rose up against him. In the original Hebrew language, which we're still reading here in Genesis, that means to stand over in power. It means to impose one's rule or dominion. In other words, Cain said, I'll take the power. I'll have dominion over my brother's life. And thus, the first murder was carried out on the earth. I want to show this to you by way of 1 John. And I want you to do, as you always have to with me, turn to 1 John and listen at the same time. Can you do that? New Testament, go to 1 John. You're going towards the back of the New Testament. Go to chapter 3. Now, I want to point back to something we said a moment ago. Cain stood over his brother to impose his dominion and rule, and he killed him. And some scholars hypothesize that he killed him with a rock. But I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that. Now, I can't be dogmatic about this, but I want to tell you something, church. I believe, like a lot of Bible scholars believe, that Cain killed his brother Abel the only way he had ever seen anything killed. What way had he seen his mom and daddy prepare for the sacrifice? Slitting a lamb's throat. That's the only way Cain had ever seen death. And I believe he stood over his brother in that field and he slit his throat. That's gruesome. If you're waiting for another picture, you ain't getting one. Do you see what sin does? He did that to his brother. This is the first family of humanity. In pride, in jealousy, anger, malice, disobedience, the first human ever born on the earth was a murderer and an idolater. And the Apostle John describes it. Have you made your way there? 1 John 3, look at verse 11. Jump down to verse 11. Some of you have to turn the page. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should, should, should love one another. We should not be like who? Cain. Who was of the evil one? Who's that? Satan. And murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds, Cain's deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Do you see the contrast? Murder versus love. Murder that comes by way of Satan versus love that comes by way of God, eventually coming by way of his son, Jesus so how is it with you today? Are you angry? Are you miffed at God? Do you have hatred in your heart for someone else? Listen. Sin is crouching at our door. And Satan wants to push us to get revenge and to take it out on somebody. And you're mad. You're frustrated. You're angry. Give it to the Lord. 
offer it as a sacrifice. And with tears burning your face, say, God, I'm so angry. I don't know why I'm so angry, but I'm so angry. I don't know if it's at you. I don't know. I'm just mad. Relieve me of this. This is killing me. And I have no joy. I'm sitting here in church, and I'm like a hypocrite because I'm bringing to you rotten tomatoes. And you've desired what? Oh, what, are we bringing lambs today? Our hearts. Our hearts. He desires your heart. Choose love. You have to choose it. The Bible's very clear about this choice. Hey, how did you pick out what you were going to wear today? He said, I don't know. It was clean. <laughs> I picked it out of a pile of clothes that haven't been folded in my house. Well, you picked it out for some reason. You like the color or short sleeve or some of you ladies have got on a little, little shawl. It gets a little cool in here. You're sitting for a little while. But you made a choice, didn't you, about what you would wear. We get to make a choice about how we treat others. The Bible's clear. Colossians 3, listen to this. Colossians 3.12, put on then. It's a choice. Put on then as God's chosen ones. That means you're Christians, holy and beloved. You're to put on what? Compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility and meekness. What is that? Meekness is power under control. And be patient. Patient with people. Patient. Patient bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, grabbing your closet off of the hanger, love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let, it's your choice, let the peace of Christ rule, have dominion, stand over your heart to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I know you may have been hurt. I know you may be angry or frustrated, but be thankful. Be thankful for what Jesus did and that he gives you, you and me the power to not live and to wallow in the past, no matter how bad it was, but to offer it to the Lord as a sacrifice and say, Lord, take this from me. Burn it up. Take it away from me. Surrender it. Cain let sin rule in his heart. I won't ask you to turn back there, but I'll just read it to you. Genesis 4, 16. Then Cain went away from what? The presence of the Lord. I don't know if there could be any sadder words in all of Scripture. Cain left the Lord, I believe, dragging his cart of rotten tomatoes with him. And he settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain is known for all time as a murderer, an idolater. Abel, his blood cries out as a man of faith. How about you? I know you don't want to think about it, nor do I, but if you were to die today, how would you be remembered? A person of love or a person of anger? 
How will you be known? I want to be known as a true worshiper of God. I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to lie to myself. We believe our own lies about ourselves. Lord, show me. Show me. I stand over there, and I'm waiting to come up here to preach, and I say, Lord, Lord, help me. If there's anything in my life that's not right, I dare not walk up here and try to stand behind this podium and try to preach to you the Word of God. I'm afraid that I'd be struck dead. Honestly. Lord, show me. If there's any wickedness in my heart, if there's anybody that has ought against me, I want to make it right. I don't want to bring discord. I don't want to bring pain. I don't want to be like Cain. I want to be like Abel. I'm reminded as we close with the words of the old worship song. Some of you will know it. Some of you may not know it. It's called The Heart of Worship. Listen to the lyrics. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. That's God's heart. Oh, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. What what does he want today? A lamb? No, you're looking into my heart. That's what he wants. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Would you bow with me in prayer? Remain seated. Father, you look down from your throne and you see right into this room and you see into our hearts. Lord, help us not to lie ourselves. Help us, Lord, to see what you see and that we might be like Isaiah. Oh, Lord, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And, Lord, that you might heal our hearts. Some are walking around in anger and frustration it's not like they're going to go out and try to kill somebody this afternoon, but it's, it's acid. It's, it's just eating into their soul and their spirit. And Father, I pray you'll bring deliverance. And Lord, we have to offer that up to you as a sacrifice. We have to put it on the altar, and we have to ask you to burn it up, take it away. It comes in your strength. And Lord, no, we won't forget because we're humans. When we start forgetting stuff, it's, it's a problem. We've got dementia or Alzheimer's. We can't forget stuff, Lord, but forgetting has nothing to do with it. It's a choice. And so when Satan brings back that thought or that remembrance, Lord, we've chosen by faith, by faith to give it to you. And so we say, no, that's under the blood of Jesus. And no, Father, they don't have to be sorry. I think of Joseph. His brothers sold him out, and they came to him. They needed food to live. He could have killed them all. They never said they were sorry, and yet he forgave them. And he said, Joseph did what you meant for harm, my God meant for good. And so, today, Lord, bring peace into the heart that's been troubled and lift it. Like smoke lifting to heaven, lift it, take the pain, the suffering. Lord, may we not be like Cain. May we be like Abel and be a true worshiper. Lord, if there's someone here today and they've never by faith accepted Jesus into their life, Lord, I pray that they might make a walk to this corner room right back here and talk to me, Pastor Dale. There'll be others there that we might show them the way to Jesus, show them the way to you. Maybe there are others that need prayer. We'll be here. We'll be available after the service. Lord, take us from this place now and use us for your glory. 
Help us to be a people of faith like Abel. Help us, Lord, to bring that which you have required, not an animal, but our hearts. And may we do it in humility, helping others who are still struggling. And might they see our faith and be encouraged to come to you in it. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.